Buongiorno tutti. Yeah, that's right. I'm jumping in here. I'm going to talk first today. <laughs> Welcome to Kimberly's Italy. I'm Tommaso. And I'm Kimberly. Thank you for coming. Oh, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> it's not like your second fiddle or anything, but uh, all of a sudden he decided he's going to start. So good on you. Just held up the hold hand. <laughs> Okay, welcome everyone. Before we start, I just want to say one thing. It's the small things in life sometimes that make you happy. And in my case this week, I've received so many photos from clients all over Italy and not just photos of their meals, but also some pictures from buildings and architecture that we've mentioned in various episodes. They sought them out, they took the photos, they sent them to me while they're still in Italy. And this just completely reconfirms how much I truly enjoy making people happy through my travel planning. Fantastic. They're having a great time, so they're happy too. I know, and then they send the photos and I'm happy, so it's just a, it's a happy all around. You know, I mean, they're probably not doing that to the 90,000 people on Facebook who they've asked for questions and people responded. Who are these people are telling me? What, what taste do they have? What I'm saying is, no, you know, oftentimes don't know. I see this stuff on Facebook all the time when oh. people ask for advice. Oh, like, I see. Why are see. these people responding? Oh, I get it. Would I have dinner with this person? I get it now. I know. Would I have cocktails? I never go on Facebook. Tom's my Facebook persona. <laughs> <laughs> I understand now. Anyway, I've been just thrilled getting these photos. A bunch of people are there at the same time. And I hear my ding of my text or WhatsApp. <laughs> I'm like, another photo. And the photos of that pasta I showed you the other night mm-hmm. from Florence. Mm-hmm. These two women, their friends, um, they used to, they went to university a semester there years ago. So they went back and they sent me photos of their lunch in Santo Spirito on the other side of the Arno. And they were sitting outside. This is just the other day. It looked warm and sunny. And one woman had a big bucatini pasta with these red, super red roasted cherry tomatoes, basilico, uh, basil. The other woman had this kind of ribbon-shaped flat pasta that was folded upon itself with a meat sauce. Oh, I was showing them to Tommy's like, mm-hmm, delicious. <laughs> What's that? We should make that. Well, speaking of that, I'd like to address one thing people have asked about, and um, which I've, I have slowed down, unfortunately, a little late on our bolognese video. But that's coming. And I'd like to address that because we had this computer and I was, we were in recording and I had to get a new computer. So Kimberly, give me a little Italian really fast, how Italians speak. Just say something really fast, like, hello, how are you in Italian? In Italian? Yeah. Ciao, Tommaso. Buongiorno. Che, che fai oggi? Andiamo qualche posto? Okay. Che that's, pensa? That's how my new, new computer sounds. My old computer sounded like this. <laughs> Ciao, buongiorno. <laughs> So, if it's much faster, your new computer, why can't you get the real finished? Well, I'm getting the real finished, (laughs) but, you know, I had to throw in, uh, those of you who who are geeks out there, my new computer has 48 gigs of RAM in it, and it's required to do all this video stuff, and I just want to say, anyone out there listening to this who may be a food blogger or influencer, 
I, my hat's off to you, man. Yeah, no kidding, what right? What a pain in the tush. <laughs> <laughs> we must have filmed his bolognese recipe making over three days, and it's still not there. But anyway, yes, I'm in awe of food bloggers and everything they post daily. We're just a little slower. We're, we'll just, be getting, we'll, we're it'll, older it'll be, than them. <laughs> stop. We're totally digressing. We have an episode to do. We'll be getting that. We'll be getting it out very shortly in the next day or two. Okay, not we, you. Okay, <laughs> Alora. Move on. <laughs> Let's talk about something else that makes people happy, and that is the small city of Ravenna. Even the name is beautiful. I think Ravenna. I had clients there in late August, and they told me they decided to stay an extra day because they wanted to take their time to see it all. And by all, I mean primarily Ravenna is famous for its mosaics and Byzantine architecture. Now, a little history, as I always do, but it's interesting. Ravenna was conquered in 540 AD by the Byzantine Empire, but of course, it was around way before that. The Umbri tribe, which we spoke about in several episodes on Umbria, They left their mark in Ravenna way back in the 5th century BC. However, their Byzantine rule only lasted about 200 years in the city itself, but that was long enough for their Byzantine influence to settle in. And because of this influence, eight buildings in Ravenna have the honor of being UNESCO World Heritage Sites. And that is so impressive that it made me wonder, does Ravenna have the most UNESCO monuments in Italy. So I looked it up and I was wrong. Firenze, Florence has the most. Ah, However, that's probably why it's on the greatest hits tour. Yes. However, Italy holds the global record with the most UNESCO sites in the world. The country of Italy, guess how many they have? 48, 46? Close, 58. Wow. 58 UNESCO monuments in the country of Italy. And while we're talking about it, the city of Cordoba, Spain has the most sites, UNESCO sites in the world. And Cordoba, I will say, is totally idyllic, a beautiful, beautiful city. I haven't been there since I lived in Spain a million years ago. And I never heard it pronounced that way. It was always pronounced Cordoba. Cordoba. (laughs) Fine, fine Corinthian leather with Raquel de Montemont. Oh my God, you're totally um, aging us again, or whatever you call that phrase. No one's going to know that bad commercial from oh, the yes. 70s. Uh, oh, yes. Anyway, the city of Cordoba <laughs> in Spain has the most UNESCO monuments in the world, and it truly is a beautiful city. And I think it's so fantastic, such a good thing to bestow on a building or a place, a UNESCO monument designation. So hopefully those monuments will remain in their original condition for eternity. Even though Ravenna was only ruled for a couple hundred years by the Byzantine Empire, only in Byzantium, which the era was called, which lasted from the 4th century to the 14th centuries, did mosaic rise to become the leading pictorial art. And then poof, it was gone with the arrival of the Renaissance. And then it was just all about painting, sculpture, and other art mediums, but mosaic art gone with the arrival of the Renaissance forever. So it was a very short time frame, fourth to 14th centuries, never done since. Well, think about all those people who were, had, were OCD with placing little mosaic tiles. 
Oh, no, I'm going to get into that. It's amazing. No, it's mind-blowing. No, I know it is, but imagine when they... When it when it shifted. Oh, when they had nothing else to do. Yeah, when they were swishing paint around right. instead of putting little tiles they in. They probably weren't. It's a whole different technique. Anyway, even if you're not a huge fan of art history or art in general, I do want to impress upon everyone that Mosaic Art was the main storyteller of the Byzantine era. And the fact that it was so tedious and time-consuming to make, it played such a huge role in history. How many years did... Um, From the 4th to the 14th century. Imagine that. Started and ended with Byzantium. And NFTs will last about three months. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> anyway, I read this sentence, this statement on the Britannica website, and I think it best defines the art of mosaic. Quote, technical insight is the key to both the creation and the appreciation of mosaic. Very succinctly put, I think. These artisans use small pieces of glass, stone, minerals, or ceramics, and they would cut them into these small square shape, normally sometimes triangular shapes, in order to fit a specific design. Eventually, they incorporated gold leaf as well, and that really defined the Byzantine movement, or era, I should say. And imagine, this always blew me away. Imagine the quality of the mortar. They didn't have adhesive. They had mortar that they used back then, since the majority of all of them are still in place on these crazy surfaces, curved domes, arches, convex, concave shapes, you name it. They did it. You can't step out to Home Depot and pick up some Byzantium mortar. No. <laughs> I like that really good stuff from the 400 AD, please. <laughs> And also think about this, the fact that mosaic art can last longer than a painting or a fresco allows you to stand in so many of these buildings in Ravenna, for example, from 1500 years ago and look at these mosaics, which most likely appear as they did when they were made. They just are there maybe once every decade. They may buff off the the face of the glass, and then boom, that's done for another decade or two. They're just so well-preserved because they were so well-made. And the real reason I'm mentioning all of this is because Ravenna is famous for it. And when a lot of people walk into an old church in Italy or actually anywhere in Europe that was under Byzantine rule, they may not look closely enough to notice or even think about the fact that the artwork on these massive domes is made of teeny half-inch tiles. And if you think about it, each tile is adhered to the ceiling by an artisan while laying on his back on a scaffolding, a rickety scaffolding, I would add, built out of timber, which, by the way, they had to climb up. They didn't have little you know, elevators on the side. Then they had to use a pulley system to get their tiles and their mortar and their tools to the platform lay on their back, start placing these little half-inch tiles in the exact position that's going to compromise the image of the group of angels or St. Pietro or whomever it is. It's it's mind-blowing. You couldn't have ADD back then. No. You're probably working on a square meter in the course course of like two weeks. Exactly. I'm wondering if it was kind of sketched out in pencil, the equivalent graphite on the dome beforehand and then they discussed okay 
the blue color will go here to make the eyes and most likely, but regardless, tedious, time consuming. And personally, I think it's a hell of a lot harder than Michelangelo laying on his back painting the Sistine Chapel, right? Well, yeah. It all took so much concentration because doing anything on your back. Right. Was is, not easy. Was not easy. Didn't and, have any air mattresses back then. No. <laughs> and since Ravenna is so famous for these mosaics, by sharing this, I hope you'll have a better understanding of what went into this artwork that you're looking at in case you're in Ravenna or anywhere else. There's mosaic artwork everywhere in Europe, but it is mind-blowing to me that they made a pictorial likeness that they did with half-inch tiles on such large spaces. So back to Ravenna, I will list these eight monuments in Ravenna with just a brief description of each in case you want to go. Seven of them are within walking distance of each other within the city limits. Number one, Mausoleum di Galla Placidia. It's a teeny, teeny place, but extravagant interior with mosaics against a very dark blue background, which sticks out and I think was probably the most beautiful I saw. The Nianian Baptistry. It's the most ancient monument remaining in the city with the roof being rebuilt around 450 AD. And it is also the most complete surviving example of an early Christian baptistry. Number three, Basilica of Sant'Apollinare Nuovo. That means the new St. Apollinare. This totally unassuming exterior to this church has a gold mosaic interior that screams the Byzantine Empire. It was built in 504 AD. And it's twin, what do you call it? Twin sister. No, it's um sister ship. Sister ship. <laughs> The sister ship with the same name, the Basilica of San Apollinare. However, this one's in a place called Classe, which is a kilometer or two outside the city limit in a zone called Classe. And it is massive. It's 50 years newer than the sister ship in the village. Number five, the Aryan Baptistry, another small brick building with endless mosaics. But my personal favorite is the marble, quote-unquote, window treatment inside. There's like eight black windows that are arched on top, and instead of just a window frame, there's these intricate marble-carved window treatments around it. Just stunning. I I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that at that point in my life. Number six, the arc. Episcopal Chapel. It's a small chapel on the first floor of the Bishop's Palace in Ravenna. And it may be the smallest of the eight, but its mosaic is as impressive as the rest. Number seven, the Mausoleum of Theodoric. It's not, this one is not made of brick. All these others are primarily brick and they have sunken into the earth three to five inches over the centuries because you know, sandy earth, and there were Roman ruins below. So each of them are getting lower Three and lower. Three inches over the centuries. Yes. Wow. Right? So this one, the Mausoleum Theodoric, is not of brick. It's of a marble. And I would think that marble weighed more than brick. I'm not really sure, but it had been a white brick. It's kind of... I think marble's oh, much denser than that's brick. That's what I would think. Yes. So they didn't mention... I did not find that this one has sunken into the earth a bit, but 
it had been made with a white marble and now it's aged over time. It's got some gray and dark spots on it. Parts of the interior are simple and humble, but there's mosaics that stem from the same date. And so you can get the picture just as intricate and amazing. And finally, number eight, the Church of San Vitale is the mother of all these monuments. It's the exterior of this church that stopped me in my track on my first visit to Ravenna. It's made of this yellowish, umber-colored brick with a few of those flying buttresses. You know, those elements, I love those. Mm -hmm. Obviously added later when it had some structural issues going on. Mm -hmm. But this Church of San Vitale, it's octagonal. It's got a lot of roof lines, the flying buttresses. There's a lot going on with it in general when you look at it from the outside. And even though it's kind of simple, at the same time, it's unpretentious until you walk inside. And I'll I'll leave it at that. You have to see the interior of San Vitale to believe it. And if I don't describe it, then that means you'll go. To Ravenna. <laughs> and you'll look up. And you'll look up and down. You know, good point. You know how I always mention, look up, look up, wherever you are, in not just a church, but all kinds of buildings. In this case, in Ravenna, you need to look down as well, because the mosaic designs in the floors everywhere are amazing. And the designs are so contemporary looking to us now. But I think it's because Italians have had design in their blood from day one. Sure, sure. Another interesting and important thing to see in Ravenna is Dante's tomb. Dante Alighieri, Italy's most renowned poet, is buried in a domed building next to the Basilica di San Francesco. And if you notice, I didn't even mention a single church yet, which I won't because these eight monuments, you know, speak on their own. You don't have to go see churches, but if you want to. We're good. Wait, let me just good. let We're me good. just say this one part about <laughs> San Francesco. It's molto importante and interessante. In the back of this basilica is a crypt in a square space about the size of our recording studio here, and the floor is tiled and there's stone pillars that hold the arch ceiling. And guess what? There's two, three feet of water that's always been there. It never dissipates it doesn't rise it doesn't lower i don't know if they fill it all the time to leave it for this lore but there's a crypt in the bottom of this square space someone's buried in there i don't know who and it's covered in two to three feet of water and the water is like a greenish blue color so it's kind of weird and cool at the same time would you want to be buried underwater probably not I will be buried underwater. Be, oh, that's true. That's I'll true. In a different way. In a different way. Okay. Off a boat. Scattered. Car- carrying on. <laughs> Scattered to the wind. Okay. Back to Dante. He was born and raised in Florence, Firenze, and completely devoted to his hometown until the powers that be accused him of corruption. But what he really did was just write a few unflattering or thinly veiled references to those same people in power, and they were the ones that were corrupt. Imagine so that, someone corrupt. In, in, in political in, office. In medieval Italy. Mm-hmm. They flipped the story, and he was banished from Florence. So eventually he ended up in Ravenna, exiled there, 
and loved it. The local people loved him. They were proud of him. And when he died in, I think, 1321 of malaria, they supposedly buried him with all the pomp and circumstance they could muster. They all pulled all of their savings and gave him a send-off like no other. And then, centuries later, you know, that story was told over and over, and then the Medici family came into play, and they wanted his body back, and the Ravenna people fought them. No, Right. And he remains today in Ravenna next to Basilica San Francesco. So a very interesting story and a simple tomb, but it a fun thing to see in Ravenna. Finally, I can't end an episode on a specific place without talking about the cuisine. See? <laughs> Just a little mention, Just right? Please, yes. <laughs> Ravenna is also in the region of Emilia Romana, like Bologna that our last two episodes were on. So therefore, it has the influence of the region's cheeses, the meats, the tortellini, you name it, Ravenna has it. However, they have their own little special panino, which they call la piadina. And it's a flatbread, unlike normal, you know, Italian loaves of bread. It's a flatbread, and they have, they're obsessed with it. They have classes on how to bake it. They stuff it with all kinds of things. It can be hot. It can be cold. Meats, vegetarian, you name it. And I think it's delicious because it's less filling. It's a flat bread, but the same yummy taste as Italian bread. Get it? Just less filling. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to immerse yourself in this tasty treat in Ravenna, go to La Piadina del Melon Rancho. It's an indoor market filled with these sandwiches, every conceivable kind of piadina you can think of. They're sold in all these stalls along with cheese vendors, Sulumaria vendors, Brasala, just the type of place Tommaso lives for. <laughs> you go see the um, churches. I'll be here. Oh, you'll you will love these mosaics. I'm, I know I will. Oh, after you visit. After I yes, the Salumarias, <laughs> and of course Ravenna has all the other necessities you need for a fabulous stay. A few ancient but sweet accommodations, wine from all the regions of Italy. And it's close enough to the coast that you could take a little half-day trip and take a swim in the Adriatic in case you haven't done that before. Wow. Mm-hmm. In summary, Ravenna is a lovely little city to visit. It's less crowded than the greatest hits. And even if you could care less about Byzantine art, at least you know the, or, or can appreciate what has gone into it just from this episode alone. And Anything that's a UNESCO heritage monument, I think, is worth visiting. E basta. E basta. Benito, let's finish up with... Um... Well, anyone who do, who listens, please, uh, if you're on Apple or Spotify, you haven't subscribed, if you're just checking in now and then, please subscribe so you get the notifications. And also, if you could please, on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, that would be great. If we tickle your fancy or get your taste buds going or something or... Let us know. Let us know. It'd be great. And finally, thank you very, very much for switching to Wednesdays. Mercoledì. It's yes. our It's our new normal. It'll make our life a little easier and I'll be... Uh, have more time. Our Sundays will be a little less, you <laughs> yes. know, we'll have brunch and things like that. <laughs> 
Okay. Basta, grazie mille. And we'll be back next week. Next Wednesday. Oh, right. Wednesday. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. ciao.